This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number seven, if you would. Ecclesiastes seven is where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, we're continuing our mini series entitled Vanity. Uh, I call it a mini series because we're not going verse by verse through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're just hitting some high points and some uh, good truth that we find there. At the end of our uh, mini series here, we'll uh, kick off a brand new series uh, from the book of James. I'm really excited about it on Sunday evenings. Also, by way of reminder, this month is Reach Month at Hui Kala Baptist Church. Reach Month means we're encouraging you to spend time with another person for the explicit purpose of sharing the gospel. I want you to find somebody that you know that needs to know Jesus, and I want you to take them to lunch, invite them to your home, grab coffee with them after work, something along those lines, for the purpose of sharing your faith with that person. We're going to give you some tools to help you make that happen. We've got some uh, invitation cards for our Easter services that are coming in uh, this week. Uh, we have our regular invitation cards on the uh, in the rack on the back on your way out the, the door. We also have a book called Paid in Full with a gospel presentation in there as well, as well as the Sharing Jesus on a Saturday coming up uh, two weeks from yesterday. Uh, we're going to teach you how to share your faith with people. And so uh, if you're interested in that, be sure to sign up on the back table for that. Or I think there's actually a response card in your, in your bulletin uh, for Sharing Jesus. If you want to check that off uh, today, that would be great. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, just one verse tonight. And uh, sometimes people think, well, it's only one verse. Maybe it'll be a short message. The number of verses have no correlation whatsoever to the length of the message, so uh, don't get your hopes up if you thought you were going to be out of here with a quickness. Uh, it'll take as long as it takes. People have often asked me before, how long do you think tonight's uh, message will be? And I, I always tell them the exact same thing. I have no idea. Uh, sometimes I think it's going to be short, then it ends up being longer, and sometimes I think it's going to be long, uh, and it winds up being really short. But I've noticed that no one has ever complained in the history of our church about a message that was too short. Uh, that's never happened yet. So uh, uh, I'm just going to preach tonight. I hope you'll be uh, ready to receive the word uh, tonight as well. Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, verse number five. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. We talk about our interpersonal communications. The Bible has a lot to say about the words that we use. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about how we communicate with one another. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about um, using our words to build people up or our, our words should be seasoned with grace and that our words should minister grace to the hearers. Uh, the book of James talks about how our tongue is, uh, is like an animal that cannot be tamed uh, and the words that we use can stir up a huge fire really, really quickly. And as we look at this, we, we really find... A couple of different types of communication is found in this one verse here. One is a rebuke, and the other one is a song. And he gives challenges from Solomon based on uh, what we hear. Now, as we talk about the types of uh, words that we find, the types of conversations that we find in the Bible, I want to give you a couple of uh, introduction uh, truths before we jump into what it means to have a good rebuke. I've entitled tonight's message, The Value of a Solid Rebuke. First of all, in the Bible, we, we see the term edification. 
Edification means to, to edify means to instruct or improve morally or intellectually. The word uh, edification by its very etymology means to, to build up. It's where we get our English word for edifice. Uh, it's a building construction term there. And the idea of edification is that I would use my words to build up another person. Romans chapter 14, verse number 19 says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. This is using our words, our actions, our deeds to build up another person. Uh, Edification is a form of encouragement. We need to be masters of edification. I want my words to build people up. I always want to have a kind word to say to people. Uh, Everybody knows a negative Nelly. Everybody knows uh, somebody who's always down on something. Uh, Maybe you've been tempted before to be a complainer. Be an edifier instead. You've probably met somebody before who's really good at this. They always have a kind word to say or something to build you up or something to encourage you. Be that type of Christian. Uh, Be the type that that puts uh, courage into people. I love that the idea of encouragement means to put courage into I want to be that type of Christian where my words build up other people. Now, if my words can build up, my words can also tear down, and we don't want to do that tonight. We're talking about positive ways that we use our words. So be careful with the words that you use. I even encourage folks, uh, especially parents and especially uh, married couples as well, be careful with not just the words you use, but the tone of voice that you use as well. Tone of voice can sometimes communicate more than our actual words themselves. So be careful with the way that we use our words, but be an edifier. Be one who builds up. Be one who encourages with your word. Next type of uh, challenge, I guess you could say, that we see in the Bible as far as conversation goes in a positive sense is an exhortation. The word exhort means to strongly encourage or urge someone to do something. When we think of exhortation, it's a positive word. It's a positive challenge, uh, but it's used in a strong sense. For example, exhortation might be, uh, I'm sorry, edification might be, hey, thanks for coming to church tonight. It's good to see you tonight. That would be a word of exhortation. Hey, really good to see you here tonight. I'm thankful for you. That would be edification. I'm building you up and being positive. Exhortation is a positive challenge that it has an exhortation might be hey great to see you on a Sunday night but I would encourage you make Sunday mornings a priority too that's going to help you there's a challenge associated with that I'm using my words to build up but I'm also strongly urging you to kind of take a step up and we need people around us in our lives that can speak truth into our lives that can exhort us when we need it Now, God's given you a pastor to do that, but you also need to surround yourself with strong Christian friends who can exhort you as well. And don't be put off by exhortations. Don't be put off by people trying to help you to be better than you are today. I need people that are pushing me. We would all be thankful for uh, maybe a basketball coach to challenge us to do better in our free throws or, uh, hey, you did a good job with rebounds tonight, but you shot terribly from the floor. Uh, We would look at that and go, man, that's a good coach who's helping you uh, to be better in all areas. Exhortation kind of has the same idea. It's positive, it's encouraging, but it's challenging you to take a step up from where you are. The type of challenge that we see here in verse number five is the word rebuke. Rebuke is defined as express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of 
their behavior or actions. This is harsh. This is a strong challenge based on someone who has done something wrong. So in this case here, I might say, hey, I saw you haven't been in church in the last couple of weeks, and I really want to challenge you. If you want to be faithful to God, make the house of God a priority in your life. That might be a rebuke, a sharp, harsh conversation that we have to have to help you to be a better person. And I say that this is positive because the end result of a rebuke is for your betterment. It's for your own good. It's not me just venting my feelings. It's not me getting frustrated with you. It's not me getting uh, upset or angry with you. Paul challenges Titus, these things speak and exhort, and he says, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now, the authority being the word of God. The Bible gives us the authority to rebuke. We don't get to rebuke because we don't like uh, what somebody's wearing. I don't like the the, uh, type of car that you drive. I'm not gonna rebuke you for what kind of house you live in or anything like that. I rebuke based on the authority of the word of God. When you step outside of God's expectations that he has for you, you're putting yourself in an area where you need to be rebuked. And let me just say this, all of us need to be rebuked sometimes. I had a good conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago. I was seeking some wisdom on a particular situation, uh, and he uh, he rebuked me. And he basically says, you're being way too... Uh, bullheaded about this. You're being way too immature about this. You're being way too selfish about this situation. And here's what he said. Just grow up, man. Okay. Uh, I needed to hear that. That was helpful for me. It was a rebuke that I received because I thought that I was right. And of course, of course, the Bible says everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And uh, uh, the, the Bible also says that a fool is always right in his own eyes. And I didn't want to be a fool. I wanted to seek wisdom. And I received a rebuke as well, and I was thankful for it. Now, a rebuke should not be a first step, but a thoughtful, prayer-filled response. If you have to rebuke someone because of sin, because of an attitude, because of rebellion against God, you should do it, but you should have a thoughtful, prayer-filled response. This is not the first thing that I go to. I don't walk around rebuking everyone. I want to make sure that we're appropriate. I provide appropriate encouragement, edification, build them up. Where necessary, I want to give an exhortation. I want to build them up, but also at the same time, challenging them to take it one step higher than they think that they're able to do. I want to exhort them. But then there comes a time sometimes where you have to call out sin. You have to call out rebellion. You have to call out a rebellious spirit. And you have to say, you can't continue that anymore. This has to stop. And that's helpful. But again, we have to make sure that we do it with the proper spirit. Now, a proper, spirit-filled, loving rebuke has the opportunity to bring forth great fruit. Notice I put three qualifiers in there. Proper, spirit-filled, and loving. I'm not gonna do it out of anger. I'm not gonna do it out of frustration. I'm not gonna do it because I wanna prove that I'm right. I wanna prove that you're wrong. I'm gonna make sure that I've thought through this. I've prayed through this. I know what I'm gonna say. I know how I'm going to approach this situation. I'm asking God's Holy Spirit to fill me as I speak. I'm making sure that any selfishness or pride that I have is set to the side. I've really thought through this. I may have even sought counsel before confronting someone on something and rebuking them because of their sin. 
but I really want to make sure that I'm right from top to bottom. Again, this is not me getting angry or just spouting off or, or losing my temper. A rebuke is going to be a sharp challenge of disapproval towards someone because of their behavior or their actions. Now, what do we rebuke? First of all, we rebuke sin. If someone's living in sin, I want to challenge them. I want to rebuke them and say, hey, what you're doing is not right and Christians don't act that way. That's a rebuke. There's been folks who have visited our church before uh, that they have been attending for maybe a few weeks and I got to hear their background and uh, tell me your testimony of salvation. And uh, in one, one particular instance, uh, the, the, uh, the girlfriend in the relationship had uh, grown up in a pastor's home. She had a strong testimony of salvation and the, uh, the guy had gotten saved a little bit later in life but uh, knew right from wrong. And I kind of heard about their church background and I said, um, now, are you guys married or are you engaged? He said, well, we're, right now we're just trying to figure everything out. I said, well, are you living together? And he said, yeah, we are. I said, okay, I'm gonna say this because I love you and because as a pastor, I can't just gloss over this and, and say, well, that's nice. I have to tell you that according to the Bible, what you're doing is a sin and you need to make it right. And he kind of hung his head and he goes, yeah, I had a feeling I'd, I'd hear that from the pastor at some point. And he goes, I just didn't realize it would be this early. <laughs> Sorry, I said, I just want to set the, the stage from here. You're welcome to come to who we call it. Everyone is welcome here. You're struggling with sin, join the club. But I'm not going to condone what you say. I'm not going to pat you on the head and go, oh, that's cute that you guys are living together uh, and you're not married. I want to challenge you to do what's right before God. I realize Hawaii is expensive. I realize that you need some time to figure out whether or not you actually want to be married. I get all of that, but you cannot continue to sin. So we rebuke sin. Next, we rebuke rebellion against God. When I see that someone knows what to do and they choose to do the wrong thing, that puts them in a category for receiving a rebuke. And again, I want to make sure that it's loving. I want to make sure that it's spirit-filled. I want to make sure that I've thought through what I'm going to say before I just jump up and let somebody have it. This is not my opportunity to get in somebody's face or grab them by the shirt collar or something like that. But when I see someone in open rebellion to God, I have to say, hey, brother, what you're doing is not wise and destruction lies ahead if you continue on the path that you're on. That's a rebuke. And from time to time, we need to have those conversations. If you're a parent, you definitely have to have those conversations with your children. If you're married, there might be times in your marriage where you have to lovingly rebuke your spouse for what they've said or what they've done. There might be a time where you need to rebuke another brother or sister who's living in sin or in opposition to God or in rebellion to God. But again, it has to be done with the right spirit. Next, we rebuke foolish behavior. And when I say foolish, I don't mean like uh, messing around with people or hiding somebody's car keys. That's not, I'm not talking about foolish, silly behavior like that. I'm talking when someone is being a fool or is acting in a foolish manner. And one who acts in a foolish manner is one who pushes away wisdom and continues to chase foolish things. We need to rebuke foolish behavior. Hey, you're not walking in wisdom in this situation. And I would challenge you, watch out. Hey, I don't have a good feeling about the things that I see going on in your life and I'm concerned about you. Watch out, trouble lies ahead. And notice the end result here is not to make somebody feel bad or the end result of a rebuke is not to show that I'm better than you. The end result of a rebuke is to show the love, care and concern for the person that I'm speaking to. 
Next, we rebuke doctrinal error. Somebody is doctrinally wrong. We rebuke that from God's word. I had somebody one time try to tell me that uh, I didn't have the Holy Spirit because I'd never spoken in tongues before. And I rebuked them for it. Simple as that. Hey, you know what? I can take a lot of things, but I can't take you telling me that the Holy Spirit of God does not live inside of me. I can't take that because I know the Bible and you obviously don't. Well, you can't say I don't know the Bible. I can't say that because the Bible says if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. That if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's because you're not saved. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved. So if you sit here and tell me that I ain't got the Holy Spirit, I don't have time to listen to that. Simple, done. And you know what? You should read your Bible more. And if you wanna, wanna know what Bible teaching, Bible preaching looks like, you should probably find another church because I knew the church they were going to and it was not a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. We rebuke doctrinal error. You see a brother or sister that's getting mixed up into nonsense, you need to rebuke it. You need to call them back to righteousness, repentance, holiness, and doctrinal fidelity. These are the types of things we, we rebuke. We don't rebuke because somebody made us mad or hurt our feelings. We don't rebuke somebody because, you know, my kid didn't get a coloring sheet in super church today. We don't rebuke people because they took our parking spot. I don't rebuke somebody because they took the favorite seat that I like to sit in. I don't rebuke somebody because X, Y, or Z. We rebuke sin, rebellion against God, doctrinal error, and foolish behavior. We don't rebuke because people get on our nerves. So it's important to understand when we rebuke, why we rebuke, and in what spirit we rebuke. So if a proper spirit-filled loving rebuke has the opportunity to bring forth great fruit, a carnal, proud, hateful rebuke is destructive and leads to more brokenness. You do this the wrong way, it's gonna make matters worse. You see, the purpose of a rebuke is to call someone to repentance, to help somebody make something right, to help people, someone get back on track. But see, when we rebuke for the wrong reason or with the wrong attitude, it causes destruction and more brokenness. Again, we can be angry at sin. Uh, the book of Ephesians says, be angry and sin not. It's okay to be mad at sin. Every time I see one of our folks in our church who's part of our family, get involved in sin. It makes me angry, not at the person. I'm angry with sin. I hate the devil. I hate temptation. I hate our flesh. The devil's a liar. This situation is a mess. We can be angry at sin. We can be frustrated with a situation. That's okay. This situation's a mess. Everything's blown up. No one's walking in the spirit. Everyone's walking carnally. We can be frustrated with that, but we don't pour out our frustration on other people. I don't pour out my hatred on, of sin on my brother or my sister in Christ. Just don't do it. So we can be angry at sin. We can be frustrated with a situation. And here's the thing that might make some parents angry tonight. We can hate the devil. Hate him. Some people say, we don't allow our kids to say that word hate. That's okay. If there's anything in the world they can hate, they can hate the devil, 100%. <laughs> don't hate people. Uh, don't use the word hate if you don't like green beans or something like that. Don't hate broccoli. It's good for you, I'm sure. People who eat it tell me so. Um, 
but it's okay to hate the devil. <laughs> I, I, I met a, uh, a counselor one time in a Christian camp, and he says, um, he, they, they called on him to pray. And he prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here tonight that's lost, that they would be saved, and I pray that the devil would one day be saved. Excuse me? I went over to him later and go, did you just pray that the devil would get saved? Well, yeah, the Bible says that anybody can be saved. No, 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 you need to read your Bible more because the Bible says what happens to the devil, and he doesn't get saved at the end. I guarantee you that. Well, I believe that the Lord wanted to save him, that he could save him. No, he can't. What, what do you mean he can't? The devil has already been judged. His sentence is already determined. He will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Read the book of Revelation, chapter 20. It's gonna happen, guaranteed. And if the devil could get saved, were to get saved, then that means that God's broken his word. And if God breaks his word, God's a liar. And if God's a liar, God's no longer God. And if God's no longer God, he never sent us a savior. And if he never sent us a savior, we're in a heap of mess. So stop praying that the devil will get saved, man. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. No. What was that conversation we had? That was a rebuke. Doctrinal error. No. No way, man. And so, again, if you're gonna hate anybody, hate the devil. I'm not gonna hate my brother and sister in Christ. I'm not. I'm not gonna hate people as part of my family. I'm not. And I'm not gonna be angry to the point where I say something harsh, say something ugly, say something carnal because I'm frustrated or because I'm mad about a situation. Not gonna do it. Simple as that. And if you can't give a loving, sharp, spirit-filled rebuke, you should just hold your tongue. Because being angry and correcting someone is gonna cause more problems and lead to more brokenness. The rebuke of the wise sets a good standard, though, for what a rebuke should look like. I want... I want to help you develop a spirit of desiring to be more mature, desiring to be corrected. I want to create in you a spirit of humility that if somebody says, hey, you're wrong on this, you could say, okay, I'm willing to be wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. I never want us to have a proud spirit. It's just like, well, that couldn't be so. I could never be wrong. <laughs> no, I don't want that spirit. I don't want that spirit for you either. You see, the rebuke of the wise sets a good standard for us. What's that standard? Repent from sin. If you ever receive a wise rebuke, it's gonna be repent from the direction that you're going. The word repent means to turn from and turn to. Repent from sin. Friend, if you're here tonight, you don't know for sure that when you die, heaven is your home. I wanna help you with this. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. And when you die, either you pay for your sins or Jesus does, and that has to be determined before you leave this earth. If you pay for your sins, you go to hell for all of eternity. That's your payment for sin. If Jesus pays, you put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, you turn or repent from your sin, and you are saved, and Jesus paid the price of your sin on the cross already. He's already suffered, bled, and died for your sins. If you put your faith and trust in him, you can be saved. But unfortunately, many times Christians, after they've repented of their sin, been forgiven of their sin, they turn back to their sin again. The Bible says, just as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool re returns to his folly. So the rebuke of a wise is gonna be a rebuke to repent from sin. 
It's going to be a rebuke to put away foolish behavior. Again, just as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool return to what? His folly. You go back to being foolish again. You go back to doing things that you know that you shouldn't again. You go back to putting yourself in the way of harm in your life. And if you're a child of God and you want to mess around with sin and you want to dip your toe in the pool of this world, just know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, God chastens those children of his that he has that he loves. And God will lovingly discipline you to get you back into a right relationship with him. So I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, don't go down that road. Do not. I know where it leads and it leads nowhere good. The rebuke of a wise also challenges to walk in wisdom. Hmm, where could we find wisdom? The Bible, it's full of it, cover to cover. It'll tell you what's right, what's wrong, how to make what's wrong right and how to stay right. The Bible tells us that the word of God is good for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I want to be saturated with God's word so that I can walk in wisdom. And hey, look, if I need to, to be called out by a friend, by a brother, I want to receive it. The Bible says it's better to be corrected by a wise man than to have the approval of fools. Such a strong statement. Christian, if you want to be popular today, you know what you really want? You want to hear the song of fools. You want the approval that this world has to offer? You're really just looking for the song of fools. The Bible says, don't want that. And just know this, if you have the approval of this world, you should check and make sure that you're actually walking in wisdom. Because fools don't appreciate wisdom. Bible tells us that. Now, what's the purpose of a rebuke? The purpose of a rebuke is restoration and edification and wisdom. The whole purpose of me having a fierce, loving conversation with a brother, a sister, is that they would be restored and that they would be built up in wisdom. I want to have a fierce harsh conversation with you to help you to be the man or woman that God has created you to be. I want to help you be better. I want to help you get back on track. If you've gotten off track, I want to help you get back on track. And the whole purpose, these harsh, heavy, fierce conversations is this, that you get right back with God, that you begin to walk in wisdom, that you wouldn't stray from the path that you know that you need to be on, that you'd stop messing around with all the things that the world says will bring you fulfillment and happiness, that you'll stop messing around with carnality and you'll come back to Jesus. The whole purpose of this conversation is that you come back to be right with God. And sometimes, here's the great thing, sometimes the Holy Spirit has that conversation with us. And you know what? The Holy Spirit rebukes us. Ever had that happen before? Where the Holy Spirit goes, No! You're just like, whoa, okay, I'm good, I got it. Duly noted, won't happen again. And the Holy Spirit rebukes us from time to time. There's times that God's word rebukes us. Where you read something, you're just like, oh my goodness, I totally blew that today. Totally shouldn't have done that. And the Holy Spirit 
and the word of God will rebuke you. But sometimes we need a good friend to put their arm around us and say, brother, I'm worried about you. Is everything okay? I see this in your life and it causes me great concern. And I want to challenge you to get your act together. I need that. You need that. But we have to have people in our life that will help us to do that. Now, final thoughts tonight. How to receive a rebuke. I don't know that any of us want to get a rebuke, but if you're gonna get it, here's how you receive it. First of all, place wise people in your life for accountability. If I want to receive the rebuke of a wise man, I obviously have to have a wise man in my life to give it to me. I need people around me who I consider to be friends, who I consider to be brothers, who I consider to be sisters, who are wise. Wisdom is not about age. Wisdom is not about how long someone's been a Christian. Wisdom is not about socioeconomic status. Oh, he's got a great job, makes a lot of money. I bet he's wise. That doesn't mean anything to anything. Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge for an extended period of time. Hey, if I've got a decision in my life I need to make, I'm gonna ask people who've been walking with Jesus for decades what they think about it. I'm gonna ask people who really, really love Jesus what they think about it. If I need encouragement, if I need exhortation, if I need a rebuke, I need to first put people in my life who can give it to me. Man, where would someone find wise Christian people who would be so invested in my life that they'd be willing to call me out on the carpet when necessary? I'm glad you asked that. The local New Testament church is a great place for that. God's given us a family where we have a common father and Jesus Christ would go so far as to call us his, his brother. And we have a family here that's looking out for one another. Nobody's trying to be anything that they're not. Nobody's trying to puff out their chest and talk about how great they are, how wise they are. There's a lot of people who love Jesus who are trying to do better today than they did yesterday. And there's some people who have applied this wisdom in their life over months, years, decades, and these are the people I want to place in my life to help me to stay wise, to be wise, to grow in wisdom. So first of all, place wise people in your life for accountability. Secondly, receive criticism with an open heart. When someone calls us out on something, our very first knee-jerk reaction is to come up with some idea why we are not wrong. No, 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 you're totally wrong on that because X, Y, and Z. Or even worse, when someone confronts us on something, we want to flip it back to them. Okay, yeah, well, whatever. Let's talk about you. What about you? Mm -mm. If I receive criticism, and again, there's been times where I felt like I received unfair criticism that I said, I want to hear this for a second. Go on. Tell me more. I really want to hear this. I don't mount a defense. I'm not listening with the intention. I'm sure nobody in this room has ever done this before, but I've done it where you're listening to what people are saying, but you're really figuring out in your mind what you're getting ready to say. As soon as you shut up, I'm gonna light you up with this, right? Nobody's ever done that before, but I've done that. Where I'm not really listening to what you're saying. I'm just waiting for you to take a breath so that I can completely and totally cream you with all the good stuff I'm coming up with in my mind. 
Nobody's ever done that before. I have. But you know what I've really tried to do probably in the last, and again, I, ha- I hate to admit this to you. I've probably just done this in the last five years. God, I want to receive criticism. I want to be humble. I know I'm not perfect. Maybe you put this person in my life to help me to show how short I fall. Maybe you put this person in my life to show me where I've been wrong. Maybe you put this situation to point out to me where I can be a better man and I want to hear that. But you know what that requires? A lot of humility. You know what most of us are terrible at? Humility. Man, but I want to receive it. And here's the thing. I can't hear the rebuke of a wise man if I automatically put up a wall anytime criticism comes my way and go, no, 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 no. That's not true, that's not true, that's not true. No, I want to receive it with an open heart. That means I have to next check my pride at the door. And you should just check your pride everywhere you get the opportunity. Just know that. You get up in the, be- in the morning, get out of the bed, man. Leave your pride laying beside the bed. You'd be much better off for the rest of the day. This is hard. When we sit down and we have fierce conversations, when we have to be on the receiving end of a rebuke, pride will ruin it every single time. Pride doesn't allow me to hear wisdom because I'm already wise. Pride, does, pride doesn't allow me to walk in wisdom because I've obviously chosen a foolish path where I think that I'm right. And a fool is right in his own eyes, the Bible says. Next, I'm gonna be careful with this and I want you to understand what I mean by this. Consider the source of the rebuke. The question that I have, first of all, Are you rebuking me based on the authority of Scripture? If so, I want to receive it. Secondly, is the person that I'm receiving the rebuke from someone who I would consider to be a wise person or would they be foolish as well? I'm not talking about do they have faults? All of us have faults. I'm not talking about do they have their own shortcomings? We all do. But the Bible says that it's better to hear the rebuke of a wise man. And the question is, are you wise, and is what you're sharing with me, is it wisdom? If it is, I need to receive it. If you're rebuking me based on your personal preference, and you are a fool, I don't really feel obligated to hear or even act on your rebuke. But if, you're, if the rebuke is coming based on the authority of Scripture, I gotta hear that. And again, if I am being rebuked on the authority of Scripture from a fool, it's coming from a wise source. So again, I've got to, I gotta test that. And so make sure that you consider the source of the rebuke. Is this person wise? Is the things that they're offering based upon the authority of scripture? If so, I wanna hear it. Next, examine your heart in light of the word. And this would probably take some time. There's been times where people have rebuked me that maybe I didn't think it was fair at the moment, but I stopped and I said, I really want to pray on that. I really want to seek the scriptures and the scriptures reveal to me truth. And I really want some time to examine my heart. Now, if I do somebody wrong or hurt somebody's feelings, I want to apologize right away. I don't want to say, I'm going to hold off on my apology until I search the scriptures and spend some time in prayer. No, I want to apologize right away. If If I've hurt you, I'm sorry that I've hurt you. If you feel like I've treated you unfairly, I apologize for treating you unfairly. If I've done something wrong against you, I want to make that right. All the rest of this stuff, I'm going to need some time to process through. I thank you for bringing this to me. I want to be better. I want to receive what you have to say. I'm just not really sure how to process all of it right now, but I thank you for coming to me. 
I thank you for loving me enough to rebuke me in this situation. I need that. But I got to, at the end of the day, examine my heart in light of the Bible. Next, we're ne- make the necessary changes. If what you found is a wise rebuke from a wise person based on the authority of Scripture and you've examined your heart in light of Scripture and you realize that you're wrong, fix it. Fix it. Make the necessary changes. Repent. Make things right with God. Again, if I realize that I'm wrong, I want to make it right. I really do. If that means apologizing to somebody, if that means seeking restoration with someone, man, whatever I've got to do to make that right, I want to make it right. Hey, look, life's too short to not be right with God and be right with my, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's too short. I can't afford it. I can't afford the mental real estate that it takes in my head to not be right with somebody. I just can't afford it. So if when I'm rebuked, I recognize it's coming from a wise place, I realize that I'm wrong in light of Scripture, I want to make whatever changes are necessary to make sure that everything's right between me and God and me and everybody else. And then finally, express gratitude. Thank you for loving me enough to talk about this. I know this was hard for you to come to me about. I know it was difficult for you to say the things that you said, but I appreciate it. My friend who rebuked me a couple of weeks ago, it was it was harsh. It was well-deserved. It was exactly what I asked him to do for me. And he even asked me, he says, do you really want to hear what I have to say? I really do. Are you sure? Yes. And he told me what he, th- what he thought about my situation. I said, thank you, I needed to hear that. I didn't like what he said. I got off the phone. I was honestly pretty pretty upset about it. I was mad at him about it. How dare you say that? You don't know me. You don't know my situation. And then I examined it in the light of Scripture. I slept on it. And I prayed on it a little bit. And I sent him an email a couple days later. And I said, hey, thanks. Thanks for that conversation. I needed to hear that. God revealed in me a root of pride. Uh, God revealed in me some things that I need to make right. And I really appreciate that conversation. And not 30 seconds later, he responded back. He says, I was just talking with my wife earlier today, and I said, I think I maybe said too much, and I might have crossed the line. And he said, I'm thankful to hear that I didn't, and thankful that you'll be able to receive that. And he said, whatever I said that was a help, use that. Whatever I said that wasn't a help, just throw it away. And I said, no, it was all a help. But I was thankful for that. I wanted to express gratitude because I'm not perfect. And if I'm wrong, I want somebody to help me to be right. If... It's gone past the point of just like, hey, that probably wasn't a great idea to the point where, hey, what you did was hurtful and it needs to be made right. I want to be the one that makes it right. And I want to challenge you. Don't be concerned about the song of fools and just know that if the song of fools is your soundtrack of your life, you should probably check your heart and check your actions. Don't be worried about a popularity contest or what everybody thinks about what you have to say. Seek wisdom at all costs. The book of Proverbs, as Solomon writes to his boys, he says, he, he speaks of wisdom like she's a woman. And he says, love her, care for her, cherish her, and she'll extend the days of your life. And not only does walking in wisdom give you a longer life, it gives you a greater quality of life as well. But, 
two things will keep me from being able to receive a rebuke of a wise man. Number one, not having wise people around me. I don't want to be around a bunch of yes men who's going to say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Oh yeah, that's a great idea with everything that I come up with. I want to be around people who say, mm, that's probably not wise. Hey, I probably wouldn't do that if I were you. I want people around me that will challenge me, that are walking in wisdom, that I respect them and their relationship with God. So I won't receive a rebuke if I don't have wise people around me. Secondly, I'll never receive a rebuke if pride is in my heart because pride blocks that. Ah, don't want to hear it. So I want to challenge you. Surround yourself with strong Christian friends. Walk in humility. And if you have a friend who loves you enough to either put their arm around you and tell you when you're wrong, or a couple of times where I've had to have friends (laughs) figuratively grab me by the collar and tell me that I'm wrong, be thankful for that. That's a gift. That's not somebody to blow off or, or, bro, you should know your role. Hey, you're in my space. Hey, buzz off. Mind your own business. What about your problems? No, no, no. If someone loves you enough to confront you, that's a gift. I, I, I love, this is going to sound really weird to say, I love spirit-filled confrontation because it always helps us grow, always. I had um, several years ago, it wasn't a rebuke. It was a, a lovingly, a loving uh observation, I guess I'll say. I had said something in, uh, on a Sunday morning and um, we had had a missionary who was going to Inglewood, California. He was planning a church there uh, and I had made a statement on Sunday morning. I said, uh, city of Inglewood, if you've never been there, is right outside of uh, Los Angeles International Airport. It's a low-income area and it's probably 90 to 95% black and Hispanic. And I said, our family would never in a million years to go go plant a church in that area, but we have a guy who's going to plant a church in that area. And I had two ladies who came to me with a spirit of humility. He said, Pastor, please don't take this the wrong way. We're not trying to rebuke you. We're not trying to say what you said was wrong or anything like that. But the statement that you said, the way that it was said came across like you wouldn't go there because there were too many blacks and Hispanics. And my heart just dropped. And I was just like, I feel terrible. I was just saying that God never called us there and it would be hard for me to do. I didn't, wasn't saying I wasn't go there because of the, the racist, racial demographic. I said, I feel terrible. No, 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 Pastor, I know you didn't mean it that way, but it, it could have come across that way. We didn't take it that way, but we, we would just, here's what they said. We cringed in our seat for you. And I thought to myself, that's love right there. People who would say, oh man, I don't want pastor to look bad that way. I want to let him know this. Man, I got up that night and said, hey, I said this today and it came across totally the wrong way and I apologize. There ain't a racist bone in my body. I hate racism with every fiber of my being. If it came across that way, I want to tell you that I'm sorry. Here's what I meant to say and I just had terrible words for it. And I had a couple ladies who loved me enough to say, what you said was wrong. And man, I cherish, those two ladies are still in our church. I still cherish their friendship to this day because they love me enough to confront me. Now, had I been proud, what are you accusing me of being a racist? What are you trying to say about me? Totally different conversation then. But man, I, I, I gained friends that day. I found out who really loved me and cared about me because of the people who were willing to say that to me. And, and, and they said, we haven't said a word about it to anybody else. We wanted to come to you and talk to you about it. And again, it shows loyalty on their part. And I, man, I appreciated that. And you know what? I'm a better man because of it. So surround yourself with people who can speak truth into your life because they will help you grow and all of us need to grow. 
Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.